Hey, welcome to Dot Grid, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital. My name is Will Fangi, and I am joined by my co-host from the West Coast, Mr. Andy Wilfley. Hello. Hey, buddy. It's uh, It's been a little bit. Imagine my surprise when I realized, oh, shoot, we're still supposed to do this podcast. <laughs> oh, right. I did not accept that calendar invite, <laughs> and look what it led to. Uh-huh. So this is this is still a thing. Third time's the charm. It, yeah, it's third or fourth. I, I don't want to count because every time I count, the number gets bigger and it makes me a little more sad inside. Well, I can't decide if our lost episode was part of a reboot or if that was just us being in person and trying, right? Like... Yeah, so that was that would have been the second one of 2018. Okay, uh, episode 21. Which, if this is one of those weird time continuum things yeah. where we can talk about it as though it's in people's inboxes, but I have not actually hit the button to put it in people's inboxes yet. So, yeah, the as time. long as I do what I'm supposed to do, we're talking about something you've heard of. Yay! <laughs> and if you haven't, too bad. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't, then somebody get on me. Somebody a, tweet at me and make me if you push haven't, the button. Put a little podcast size hole in your brain, and later we'll fill it with the previous episode. It's it 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 was it was something. So Andy and I actually sat across from each other in this awesome internet radio station recording room slash, uh, like existential detective agency sort of mm. room. Yeah. Drank boxed water and played with Instagram live in a way that did not play well for, uh, for radio. <laughs> yeah. That was entertaining radio for sure. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I think it's just a miracle you found it. I'm super surprised and pleased that we actually have that audio still somewhere. Well, that was a result of you and I going through things. Andy and I started talking about, getting back into the dot grid swing of things a couple weeks ago. And it occurred to me that I didn't know where our intro music was and being the techno nerds that we are, uh, Andy and I went through, I think all of the Google drives, all of the drop boxes, I think some stuff on spectrum.chat, which may or may not still be a thing. <laughs> like we went and we, and we looked and we, and we, um, we ended up finding it, creative cloud somewhere. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. We ended up finding it in a creative cloud somewhere. So thanks Adobe for yeah. paying Andy's bills and for holding on to, uh, the drum beat that I made on my iPhone when I was still a teacher. It's, That's it's remarkably good. Like I think, I think you did a really good job. Thanks. I had another one that we ran for the show that future Andy and I did that I actually liked a little better, but I know that one's gone. <laughs> we can, maybe we can rip it out of like one of the audio files from that somewhere. Yeah. Cause you can yeah. still get those audio files. They're still, I mean, the podcast hasn't been pulled Re- off of iTunes to my knowledge. So remember when you had a podcast network? I know. Remember when I had the time to have a podcast network? <laughs> I just, I just want to, so I have to, I need to flip over the screen here because I still have it open to where the Skype chat is open for you and I, but I still see that video of the cats oh, that yeah. I should make a note right now to put into the show notes. I mean, it's really, it's really worth everybody's time if you just watch that cat video instead of listening to us. So, or if you want a video uh, version of this podcast, just pretend that I am the cat on the left and Andy is the cat on the right and that we are doing these things with pumpkin hats on. I'm telling you, this is not good radio, but it's wonderful, wonderful short video. <laughs> All right. So, what, yeah, we're, what are we, what are we doing today? It? Why are we here? 
So we're back at it. We're recording Docker, the 22nd episode. Andy and I are going to um, talk a little bit about digital analog tools. Uh, but this time around, we're going to talk more about like digital analog games, which mm. I think will be fun and exciting. Um, yeah. This is kind of an idea that I had sitting in a list for a while and thought it might be a cool uh, a cool thing to jump into and, and talk about. Andy and I have as one would expect, hashtag opinions yes. about both digital and analog games. But before we jump into that, let's, uh, I don't think we should call it, I don't think it's follow up unless you're super interested in following up with ourselves. Andy and I have, uh, have not released an episode in, I, I don't do math good, but I think more than 20 months, January, 2018, uh, Yeah. So it's, uh, it's been a little while. I mean, technically that other episode was in February. Um, yeah. so it'll, but we haven't oh, released anything and no one has seen us since then. Yeah. So yeah. What have I been up to? Um, <sighs> do you want to go, you wrote a book? Do you want to go first? No, no, oh, no. we'll talk about the book first. Okay. Start with um, the book. Your stuff's way more excited. Oh God, exciting. No. Exciting. Um, <laughs> so I, I guess in January, 2019, um, I started writing a book with my workshop co-presenter, Michael Metz, um, based in Chicago. And we wrote a, basically the book version of our workshop, uh, for Rosenfeld media, which is kind of an, you know, venerable UX book publisher out there and, um, took us nine ish months to write it. And it's kind of that we like went through a big intensive technical review process and it's now in kind of the final proofreading stages. And we're hoping that it gets out the door January, 2020, like start shipping and getting in people's hands. So that's the hope and the plan. But, uh, yeah, we have a book about, uh, UX writing which is really exciting. I'm very excited that you continue to see me, that you continue to send me updated like proofs of it. Yeah. Because every time I, uh, every time I think to myself, Oh, this is looking even better though. This is looking even better. And, um, it's, it's really, it's, uh, it's, it's great. And I'm really looking forward to getting my version of it, uh, in print multiple copies. I'm gonna give them away as gifts just randomly I'm to sure, people that I work with. I'm sure Elizabeth's mom would love a copy of a book about writing for interfaces. I was trying to explain to her last night because she came over for dinner last night. I was trying to explain to her what the book was about. And then I realized that in the process of trying to explain to her what the book is about, like I have to do a better job of explaining what my new job is. Uh-huh. And I'm not, I'm not very good at that yet or at all. So I was just like, yeah, he wrote a book. It's called, uh, writing is designing two or something like that. It's okay. You don't need to know any more about it. She was like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's about it. So, so I'm pretty excited though. So speaking of what you alluded to, you also have a, have a new thing in your life. Two, two new things. Uh, one, I moved last year. It's something that I thought of as I was listening to old episodes today. I live in Texas now. I oh live, yeah. 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 That happened. I live uh, south of Austin, a town called Lockhart. It's the barbecue capital of Texas. So if any, so I've gone from the pencil capital of the United States back to Nashville, now to the barbecue capital of Texas, which I guess means something. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm south of Austin. I'm also working a new job. I work at the IBM design studio in North Austin, IBM international business machines. That's what it stands for. Yeah. Elizabeth clicked on it one time. I, we logged into our healthcare provider and she was like, which one of these is actually your, provi- is actually your business? Cause I'd done some stuff with this provider before. So I like have to have two accounts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, I work for international business machines. She was like, no, you know, that sounds fake. That's <laughs> there's, there's no way that's the real name. I'm like, Oh, that's very much the real name. I work uh, at American to- corporate conglomerate <laughs> incorporated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's exactly what it sounds like. So yeah, I'm uh, I started at IBM 
in January of this year. So January 2019, right at the end, I uh, I'm a content designer. It's kind of complicated. It's sort of kind of like the kind of work that Andy does, but also some other things. Yeah, it's just I'm doing a lot of curriculum design right now, which is really cool. And mm. for a long time, listeners of the pod, do we call it the pod? Or do we call it the cast? Yeah, call sure, it the it's, pod? The, it's the pod. Long-time listeners of the pod know that I have a background in education, so the curriculum construction part has been particularly rewarding. But yeah, I'm um, I'm doing that now, going back into the office four or five days a week. You know what we should call it is the grid. Because we that, should call it the it's grid. grid. Oh, oh, we're back on the grid. Yeah. Or for yeah, and it makes it sound cooler if we say for a while we were just off the grid. Yeah, we were off the grid. Now we're back on the grid. Yeah, we're back on the grid because we couldn't record or we were off the grid. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I, um, so that's what I'm up to. I'm trying not to get too far into it because as I went back and listened to our old, some of our old episodes while getting ready for this, I realized that there are more, there's more than one episode where I spend an extended period of time talking about what my new job is. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to spend too much time doing that. Uh, just suffice to say, I'm a content designer at IBM. I really like it. Um, I think that there's good potential for me to be there for a long time. They respect um, content strategy and content design as a discipline, which this is the first place I've worked somewhere where it hasn't just been like, write this thing, crank out this, you know, word widget button copy whatever so it's uh it's it's super fun and rewarding and the good news is that it has given me the time and inspiration to come back and do more stuff like this record more podcasts maybe do a little more writing i don't know don't want to overextend myself holidays are coming i will so i gotta gotta take it easy I think Andy and I have committed to do what once a, once a month for a little while. I think once we'll a job, like next time you get a job, we'll, job. we'll do don't a new say one. That. <laughs> no, don't say that. I'm, I'm keeping this job for a long time. Don't say that. It'll send my anxiety through the roof. Not right. Don't worry about when I'm going to get another job just <laughs> so I can point. talk, talk to my best friend on the internet. That's uh, yeah. It seems, that seems like a really logical way to work about things. Yeah. Should we jump into, Oh, actually, you know what we can talk about next. What can we talk about? Uh, where you can oh, find I see it on that. Yeah, I see it. So in I didn't have any idea you were doing this. And as soon as I saw this in the show notes, I was like, yes, the tradition continues um, for short term listeners of the podcast, because we've only been doing this for like the past five or six episodes. Andy has apparently purchased a custom domain name for us. Yeah, we, we can host our show notes. So Instead of going to dot grid dot symbolcast dot fm slash twenty two or dot grid dot xyz slash twenty two, I think that would work. Where can people find show notes, Andy Wilfley? Well, this being the newest and the best um, reboot of the show, if you go to dot grid dot best, um, you can get you can see the episodes and show notes. So that's wonderful. Yeah, we the also best. did. I I think since we recorded last time, I had purchased dot grid dot dot D-O-T-G-R dot I-D. And, no way. Which is pretty great. And then I actually have that for... That, that is a uh, Mastodon uh, server. Oh, yeah. We mentioned that. Yeah, I have not done that uh, uh, in a while. No, I haven't. I haven't been on Mastodon for, for ages, but uh, maybe I should take it off the server and like do something with it. But like our, our, it's, it's just, just dot grid. Dot grr dot I-D. That's great. I, I think... So I saw that you'd set up the server, but I don't think I realized that it was that URL. So that's great. Yeah, we'll we'll figure out another way to uh, to incorporate that for one of our many links. I tell you what, that's. <laughs> 
that's just a thing we have is lots of, lots like, of you know, the thing that really is wild is that in the episode that I have theoretically published by now, we refer to like six different places to get the show notes and all of those URLs are going to be dead. Oh, yeah. Because like, yeah, the yeah. Andy buys a Andy buys a new TLD for a year for like 47 schneckles or whatever the dollar, smallest form of currency you can think of. Dollar 88 for uh, best domains for the first year. <laughs> it's, then it's going to be like. $25 and I'm not paying that. So if you, no, man. if you listen to this before November 7th, 2020, go to .grid.best. Uh, that is assuming based on the date that the world is, has either not ended or is not about to end. Yeah, that's fine. There will be no more domains or internet or podcasts or anything um, right. after that. So yeah, just, well, you can go to .grid.best. Thanks, Andy. That's a great place to put the show notes. We're going to add some things to those show notes. Now, Andy and I are going to talk about our Pencils and Pixels pick. We still don't have an intro song. Pencils so and Pixels. That's essentially what it was last that's time. It. We're going to keep it that. Wonderful. Yep. Keeping it. Mark it. Pull it out and use it multiple times so you don't have to sing like that again. Mm-hmm. Um, my analog pick is retractable Sharpies. The end. Oh, yeah. Like a, like a chisel tip retractable Sharpie? Um, no, like the regular, like fine tip. So as I was getting ready to get started at IBM, uh, first and foremost, we found Austin's best stationary shop, which you have to do when you move to a new place Of course, and you host a podcast about digital analog tools. You find Austin's best, um, best stationary shop. And I believe I sent you no fewer than 17 photos from Mm -hmm. inside the stationary shop. Um, they have all, all the great things, all the great books. All the great notebooks, all the great pencils, picked up a whole bunch of new, uh, the new black wings. Since I don't get the subscription like you do, picked up uh, a couple of really great Lloyd's term notebooks, some other cool things. But, uh, I also picked up uh, some retractable Sharpies because IBM and their design thinking practice, well known for post-it notes and Sharpies Mm. brand names had always, always Sharpies, always actual post-its. And I thought to myself, that's a really good way. Well, that's actually, I was going to say it's a really good way for me to accidentally put an open marker in my pocket and screw up a shirt. But you know what's actually a better way to screw up a shirt? Hmm. Retractable Sharpies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because those things take a lot to click down and click back up. Um, yeah. My analog pick, as I told you, was pretty much came down to I have to look around and see what's around me that I'm really impressed by. Um, and Retractable Sharpies is it. Because at the very least, if I put it down on a table, people know that it's mine. Yeah. So I get them in blue and black and they're the regular, I should do chisel tip next time. That's fun. That's more like the, uh, like an italic nib. If you want to make yeah. it a real fancy Sharpie, it's a, it's a Sharpie with an italic nib. If you want to like bleed all the way through that post-it note, chisel tip oh, is, yeah. your, is your beast. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've learned to use a very light hand when it comes to those things. Cause that's a really good way to like bleed all over three or four sticky notes. If you have a really good idea in the mm-hmm. middle of a meeting and you just forget to move the marker quick enough. Yeah. So yeah, retractable Sharpies. I know it's kind of a boring pick. Listen, listen, (laughs) listeners, we've been out of practice. Yeah. Uh, I promise to have a more intriguing analog and or digital pick next time because I will be thinking about it more and have an ongoing list. Yeah. We're still good on speed guys. Give us, cut us some slack. Yeah. It's we've, we're just getting back on the grid. So Will and I have literally not talked to each other since then. No, not once. Yeah. Um, We've seen each other since then. We've literally been in the same room, not recording (laughs) since then. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, We were in, we had, we had some pizza in Oakland. It was delicious. It was Um, very good. 
What's your analog pick? Um, mine is, um, hi, it's not, it's not a new discovery or anything, but like I've recently gotten the Baron fig squire, um, bug and it's just a really nice, really nice, well-designed, good feeling pen. And I mean, I've talked about them on erasable. I, probably talked about them here because we all like the Baron fig guys here. Um, and they recently just really kind of like upped their, uh, their squire game. And I've accidentally fallen into a community of like rabid fervent collectors, which at one hand I like to, you know, like guffaw at like, ha these suckers, but dang it. If I'm not also one of them, I have a small squire collection of like, how many do I have? Six. And I, yeah, I'm just a big fan. I'm about to have one in every like kind of major color profile. So red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple. Um, Oh, the blue one, the blue one did show up the way that we thought it would. Yep. The blue one is the, uh, it's the arrow error, excuse me, error 404. Um, it's blue as in a, like a blue, blue screen of death, which, you know, they're kind of conflating their, you know, computer errors, but it's not a big deal. It's really lovely. Um, and I'm currently writing with the, the like Holy grail of all squires, which is the experiment, which is the green one. And, uh, it was the first, I think it was the first or the second of the limited edition squires that they made and they didn't make very many of them. And I was luckily, luckily enough to, to get one when they first came out. And now all the people who are jumping on the train are just like desperate. So I don't want to, I don't want to rub it in their face, but I love my squire. Is there like a group like field nuts you can jump into oh, and be like, yeah. I got an experiment for like three hundred dollars? People oh, be like, man. I'm into that. You should come join the Baron Fig Fanatics group on Facebook. It is it is quite is quite something. Like imagine imagine the field notes. Excuse me, the field nuts group. Are you in the field nuts group or have you been ever? I have been before. It's it's like that, but about like a smaller group of people take out all like the gun nuts. Um and you're just left with just like Thirsty people, like thirsty squire people. <laughs> the title, thirsty title right squire there. People. Thirsty squire people. Oh my people. gosh! <laughs> I'm making sure we put the link to that Facebook group in. There. Is that a closed group or is that a public group? Um, it's a closed, but they'll admit anybody. I think. Yeah, especially yeah. if you're coming. Just tell tell them you came from the Not Grid Podcast. <laughs> don't, don't tell them I just made fun of them all. No, don't do that. <laughs> Including myself tell because I am an active group member. Tell Joey Caffone, Andy Welfley sent you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, lo- I love myself, my my squires. Uh, they made a custom squire for the Baron Fig Fanatics group. It's a purple one. It has a fan icon on it because of, you know, fan addicts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty great. Do you carry one in your pocket or you just carry it in the backpack? How does that work? Um, I usually keep them on my desk at work, but I'll just stick one in my front shirt pocket usually because it's small enough where it kind of fits all the way down in. So... Yeah, just do that good. thing where it like goes diagonal and then you're like, my oh, pocket is completely full of things. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's about it. It does that. That sounds like my size pen. Yep. Uh, tell us about your digital pick, Will. So my digital pick is a combination. I will have a link to all of the apps I'm about to talk about in the show notes. Um, 
as we discussed a couple uh, episodes ago, I have an Apple Watch now that I really like. I actually have a Series 4 Apple Watch now. Thank you, Andy Wellfully. Yeah, you do. So I bought Andy's Series 4, jumped up from the Series 1 that I had literally until about three weeks ago. Um, and again, if you go back and check old episodes, you can hear us talking about wearables and Apple Watches. But I am also, speaking of fanatic, I'm also a fanatic about tracking my sleep. Mm. Um, I track my activity. I don't track my calories, but I track my daily activity by using the activity app on the watch. And I also track my sleep using multiple apps. But the one that I have here as my digital pick and the one that I like the most is called auto sleep. And it tracks your heart rate and your motion as you are sleeping. And it gives you a pretty in-depth readout. That was so that was the screenshot that I sent you this mm-hmm. morning. Uh, it gives you a pretty in-depth readout of um, your levels of sleep, light sleep, uh, mm. REM sleep, deep sleep, uh, along with your uh, accompanying heart rates. So you can see how much of a drop you go through at night um, because of some because of my mental health stuff. Um, I try to make sure that I there are like three things that I have to take care of. And one is sleep. The one is food and one is exercise. And I take care of like one and a half of those. But I got sleep handled. Mm. So I use I use auto sleep. Uh, there's also another app by the same developer called auto wake. If you have a series four or a series five, you can use these, uh, or I'm sorry, if you have anything that will run watch OS five or later, that's where I was. Hmm. Um, if you use watch OS five or later, you can do these, um, smart alarms. So the, the dumb alarms, you can tell them like, let's say I want to wake up at seven 15 in the morning. It'll, um, start bumping you on your wrist um, coming up to that. So it kind of gently nudge you out of sleep or it can look for when it thinks you're in either light sleep or medium sleep uh, up to 30 minutes ahead of when your alarm is going off. So basically it's, mm. it's one of, it's one of the apps that looks and makes sure that it's not waking you up in the middle of the deep sleep. So you know, like wake up like swinging and yeah. snoring and stuff. So uh, the thing I like about it is I can tell it how much sleep I want to get. So let's say I'm set for nine hours. It'll wake me up after nine hours of sleep. And the, the thing that's the, the real killer for me is that it only vibrates on my wrist. So it's, it's persistent and like significant enough that I feel it on my wrist, but it's not so much so that it wakes up the person next to me. Yeah. So I'm really big about trying to maximize when I get up right because when I wake up and get out of bed, because if, if I don't, there are times that I just will wake up and feel like a zombie. So mm-hmm. zombie, zombie. I don't, how, I don't know how you like the thing that I just can't do that I've tried really hard to do is be able to sleep with my Apple watch on. Like I can't like have that thing strapped to my wrist. I just can't. I, yeah. I don't know. I, maybe you get used to it. What kind of band you wearing? I think that's where you start. The little elastic sport loop is what I wear. Yeah, see, I wear that too, and it works just fine for me. I, um, I used to do it with just the standard, uh, whatever that soft jelly-like band that used to come with them standard until mm-hmm. you got the opportunity to like order them custom like you did yours this year. I used to wear that, and that was fine. Um, occasionally, I'll sleep on it. I'll sleep with it with the, um, they call it the Venetian loop, is the, I think the fancy version. Oh, yeah. Um, the one Mil- that you and I have talked about is the super Mil- angry. Milanese? Yeah. Yeah. The Milanese loop. Sorry. The Viennese loop is something else entirely. Don't Google that. I don't <laughs> yeah. think. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, the, the only thing I have about that is um, occasionally 
it'll like pull my arm hairs in my sleep and it hurts. So that's a little TMI for you. With me, I think it's it's that the, the watch face itself is like too big and like, it just like, it's like strapping a a little tiny box onto my wrist or something like it gets in the way when I move around. I I don't know. I just have always found it really distracting and I kind of fixate on it and then it's hard to get to sleep. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. If you fixate on it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I just do it with the the thing that that gets me is if I don't remember to put it on theater mode, you know, that that one where you either have to push a button or tap the screen for the screen to come mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. If I don't put it in theater mode, there are times that I will wake up and the battery will just be like 30 yeah. percent because it's because the screen's been on all night. But if I remember to, it doesn't really take that much out of it. Um, mm. Anyway, auto sleep and auto wake. There's also um a thing called like heart rate or heart watch or something. If you buy all three from the developer and one of them ends up being free. If you're the kind of person who wants to keep a constant eye on your heart rate more so than what the Apple watch will provide you in any of the, what do they call them? Complications. Yeah. If you were looking for more information um, as far as like tracking it on the regular, or what your most recent heart rate was without looking at like the weird set of dots that the heart rate, app that's built in will give you i recommend HeartWatch for that too so we'll put nice. links to the individual apps and to the what do they call them like the app selection or the app group or whatever it is on the um ios app store where they put everything together yeah you know they can sell more than one app at once i'm yeah, talking about yep. right. okay cool bundles that's a great word for it since that's what they call it yeah (laughs) so there's a bundle with all three of those in there if you have an apple watch and you're interested in tracking your sleep or having a haptic alarm or tracking your heart rate or even better all three then uh then that'll be that'll be up there for you i think the the set of three of them all together is like eight bucks nice oh yeah which is great for me i mean you know like i said i've so i got a cpap and sleep apnea so i gotta track my sleep and my uh my sleep doctor is always happy to see what that looks like at least according to one app um yeah this is a disclaimer that you should probably use more than one app to track your sleep that way you can figure out if they're all working correctly. You can take an average of the two or whatever. Yeah. We're not getting into sleep again. We tried. It didn't <laughs> we, go well. We tried so hard. <laughs> it did. It did yeah. not go well. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of your digital pick. Um, big, yeah. uh, big, big fan, big fan. So my, my digital pick is Patreon, which is, um, something, um, I've used for a while to support some of my favorite podcasts, um, and kind of indie artists. But recently we, um, on the erasable podcast, which is that other, that other podcast that I do, um, we decided we really wanted to, um, just like innovate and be a little bit more beholden to, to our listeners. And to do that, we realized like, Oh, we want them to buy into it more and give us money. So, uh, we set up a very simple Patreon with like three levels, a $2 a month, $5 a month and a $10 a month and, uh, started putting it out there and Holy crap. All of a sudden we're making $250 a month. Um, no way. That's yeah. five times what you told me. Oh, that was yeah. because you told me before you made an announcement. Good for you guys. So what, we, you, you earn yeah. it. So yeah, it was Patreon's great. Um, we, we still need to like deliver on some of our, cause this is a very new thing. We still need to deliver on some of our like little, you know, welcome to the Patreon family kind of things, but it's fantastic. I has, it's really thoughtful. There's, there's a little few pieces where I feel like they could improve their experience, but in general, like it's a really interesting platform and something I'm like looking forward to really digging into and using. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. The, the, the trouble is, is that because there's no like 
business presence of Erasable. It's just sort of like the three of us. It counts as personal taxable income for me. So oh. I, ha- I have to make sure to leave some of that aside to pay taxes. <laughs> yeah. Eventually. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's that. Um, but yeah, I'm Patreon is my digital pick. If you uh, like podcasts that have Patreons, or what, you know, whatever, lots of different like independent artists uses, use Patreons, go, go do it and throw them a few bucks each month because a, they're going to really appreciate it. And then B, um, you'll feel good. This is like the annual membership drive for the for price local, of a cup for of local coffee. radio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Annual membership drive for dot gritters, dot griddles. And, yeah. uh, what do you guys call your erasable crew? Um, I, they sort of dubbed themselves erasables. Um, okay. I was, that's kind of depressing. I was going for like eraser heads or something at one point, but I, I did not make, I did not make this decision. It was made by the community. Wasn't Eraserhead like a series of some creepy 80s movies? Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. All right, cool. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't wasn't misremembering that. <laughs> what, what, yeah. Cool. Oh, um, Mr. Dingus over here heard me say something about a series of movies. Oh, God, I said it again. So you can't say S-E-R-I-E-S because he thinks I'm talking uh, to him. Yes. Hey, Dingus. Yo, Dingus. That's what's the, what's the up, Dingus? Really. Andy? Yes. Andy, I need some help. Okay. Do you know how to play cribbage? Oh God, no, I don't. <laughs> okay, this is I, this is our awkward segue to the main topic because I'm not an old like you are. Well, so Elizabeth used to play with her dad when she was a kid. Yeah, and like there was money involved. Oh wow. Um, yeah, I'm just so gonna, I'm just gonna say to that, okay, boomer. Yep, I know, and I figured that would be I figured that would be your response. I just we. We're, we have two vintage. No, we have a vintage cribbage board and then another um, just general cribbage board that we bought at like Target or something. I don't know if this is a thing in everybody's house this is a thing in my house. We have like a drawer of analog games mm. that get played or touched maybe once a year unless we're moving and then they get put into a box so they can get moved to another house to be placed into a drawer that they're never going to get looked at again. Well, you know what the, what the Indiana thing is like, you know, if the thing required by law to know how to play in Indiana is Euchre. Have you ever played Euchre? Oh, Euchre. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. If, is I, it like gin? It's sort of, it's like you have two, four people and like two the two partners sit across from each other and it's, it's a thing. I so barely, like hearts or spades or something. I don't know. I barely remember how to like, how to play it. It's, it's a lot of like bluffing and tricking and oh. things. I there's, there's counting involved. I don't really know. Um, we're not math people. No, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not a math. We don't even claim to be math. I'm not people. a math doctor. Um, no, but yeah, mm. Euchre is like the Indiana thing. People just sit around in the cold winter nights and play Euchre. Yeah. So but we wait, make we, the joke. Yeah. So is, is cribbage, I can't remember. Is cribbage a card game? So there's cards, but there's also like this really neat board. I'll see. I don't want to overextend myself. Oh, if I feel board, like yeah. it, yeah, if I feel like it, I will take a picture of the vintage cribbage board and try to put it in our show notes. It may not be there in time for the show to release, but hopefully it'll be there at some point. Um, yeah. So there's like a board and some like, uh, would like pins and some stuff like markers and stuff involved. I'm not exactly sure okay. how it works. Um, yeah, we grew up, uh, my mother's side of the family was a hearts 
side mm. of the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandma also taught me how to play gin rummy uh, or gin or rummy or whatever you want to call it. And then uh, I played spades a lot through high school. We used to play four person and two person spades. Mm. So when Elizabeth's brother and sister-in-law came to visit us uh, back when we lived in Smyrna, so that was a while ago, uh, we pulled up the Wikipedia page for spades and we played spades as a family. That's a lot of fun. Because there is, there's like calling, there's like betting and books and like the whole scoring thing is we didn't play for score when we were in, uh, we were in high school. We just played spades to play spades, but yeah, there's like a whole scoring thing. I don't know. I just, I want to like analog games more, but there are so few that I feel compelled to take time out of my Netflix schedule to play. I just like, here's the thing. And this is. This is going to sound really uh, grumpy and just sort of like, like, like that. But this, like, I, I don't want to work to have fun. There's so many rules and especially with things like, you know, like Magic the Gathering or Settlers of Catan or have you ever played Ticket to Ride, that board game? So I know Ticket to Ride. I will refresh your memory and I think I may have mentioned it here but I know I've talked about you I'll, I'll refresh your memory that I ran a board game club that's right yeah at one of my schools for a while and Ticket to Ride is one of the games that's always like it comes that and Settlers and a couple other things always come really highly recommended because they're like and, the pinnacle of board games because it's not just putting cards out it's like you have to have strategy and, and you know lie about things yeah. and understand how mass transit works or something and like the Card games are kind of the same way. There's just so many rules and you have to learn all the rules and then you have to like, it's just like you have to work to have fun. And, and then also like, maybe I just hang out with the wrong group of people, but like a lot of people just get like, can get kind of ugly when they're competing and like, nobody wants that. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. We had a we had a falling out at my house over Monopoly. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. gosh, I don't know. A few years ago, the first time we lived in Nashville, we literally moved with Monopoly and did not play. I don't know that we've played it again since. Yeah, it was it was bad. Yeah, it got real bad. People get people get super into that stuff. Yeah, I mean, so. I get you with Sailors of Catan. We were talking in the pre-show. I've played it once with Elizabeth, her mother, and a friend of her mother's, and I don't even think we played it right. And it was, it was fun, but yeah, it's like, it takes a while to get going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll fight you on magic. The gathering. I think it's a little <laughs> bit different. It did. There are not like tokens and markers and things. I, this is, I'm, you're also talking to a person who before I moved here, went out and got all of like, so there are free starter decks that if you go to the right friendly local game store, they will give you for magic. Yeah. So you like, it's it's the whole the first taste is free kind of thing yeah so they give them to you and you're like this is a pretty basic deck but if you buy more boosters and you do this and do that like i wish i wish i had the the like i don't know stamina might not be the right word i wish i had the energy to want to go out and do stuff like that once i mean this is getting a little bit off the topic of games themselves but like but on the but on the the subject of like not wanting to work to have fun i mean i don't i work a lot I don't mm-hmm. work like a lot, a lot, but I work a pretty solid 35, 38 hour week. And then I've got a commute of an hour each way. It's up on Wednesdays. And like, by the time I get home, anything more complicated than a puzzle just seems like yeah an effort. Yeah. And I, and definitely like there are certain card games or games out there that like, to me feel more, you know, like free play or something rather than like trying to fit within a structure. And I guess, um, you know, you, you alluded to in the show notes, um, or into our kind of like 
discussion notes, you know, things like apples to apples and cards against humanity. And those, those games that are more about sort of like, you know, making connections and, and trying to win the, like the moderator or whatever over to your side. And there's, there's certain like things like that, that I think are fun and are fun to do. Um, but like a lot of the, a lot of the competition games I'm not like big on. Cause I've just, I guess I've never been, I've never been a very competitive person. I, yeah, just tend to like, like my, my role in when things get really serious is just sort of like step back and be like, eh, whatever. I'm not into that. And that usually makes people who are very competitive mad. <laughs> so yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah. So, um, games, yeah. Games where you're just kind of like exercising some, like, I don't want to say that like card games and stuff aren't creative cause they are, but like, you know, it's less about strategy and more just about like, you know, creativity and free play. Those are the things yeah. I like a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, long, long time listeners of the podcast will remember the episode. I think it was actually the wearables episode. We talk about uh, what we did for my birthday and Elizabeth absolutely whipping my ass. There we go. How far are we in? We got the mature tech, the not suitable for work tech. Elizabeth absolutely whipping my ass at Mortal Kombat. What, uh, what oh, I failed yeah. to mention, what I failed to mention was uh, during that visit to the arcade and game bar, she also whipped my ass at exploding kittens. Hmm. which is a game that I now own. And I think that it is a good, it's a good middle ground between like the conversation party style of a cards against humanity or an apples to apples, which I'm going to come back to apples to apples, but it's a little bit of a medium between cards against humanity and something that takes like considerable more thought and effort. Uh, Mm -hmm. I won't get into the complete dynamics of the game, but they're like different cards. It's, it's almost like an adult Uno, but also <laughs> old maid. Like you, there's like a card you're not supposed to have. Yeah. But then there are like other cards that you can either put down as pairs or that you can play in order so that you like screw with the person across from you or the person behind you in order and things like that. It's, it's a really well-constructed game. Uh, if you're familiar with oatmeal, that's the, he's the chief designer on that. Um, it's, I, I think it's a really fun game. I think the other thing that gets in my way is that we don't have people over very often. I know that you're a little bit different in that regard, but like, we don't know a lot of people here besides Elizabeth's family. Um, yeah. uh, and the people I work with are all relatively Austin based. They're, aghast that I drive 45 minutes or an hour each way. So we don't have a bunch of people over to, to play games. So that's, that's the other thing too, is like, there's not a lot of games out there where I'm like, yeah, I want to spend a bunch of time. Like some games, like you can't even play settlers of Catan with two people. You have to have at least three. Mm. And there are just some games that be because it is Elizabeth and myself at the very least, we need to have somebody else that we can both be mad at if they're winning. Mm-hmm. If it's just the two of us, like I'm upset that she's winning. She's upset that I'm winning. Like, it's just like, it's not a good, it's not a good. We have found that competitive games are not a good relationship builder for us. Yeah. We, we did buy a puzzle. A puzzle. Yeah, you yeah. know, you remember, you oh, remember like what a puzzle is, puzzle. right? Yeah, 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 yeah like yeah, a jigsaw yeah. puzzle. So we bought one of those to put together. It's still wrapped up in the plastic. We have, uh, and I was going back and listening to old episodes. We have half price books here, which we did not have in Nashville, but you know, half oh, price yeah. books. I do like half yeah, price so, books. Yeah, they have uh, puzzles and games and stuff here um, in our half price books. So nice. we picked up a puzzle there. I think we're going to try to do that just as a as a not team building. That's the worst possible thing you can say about trying to get, trying to get closer to your romantic partners. Yeah. We're doing a team building exercise. I'm going to fall off a chair and make sure she catches me. We're going to go to, we're having dinner at an offsite tonight. Right. Having dinner at the offsite. Perfect. Yeah. Um, 
So, Andy, have you played Apples to Apples? I have. Um, so I used to have I used to have a version in one of my classrooms yeah. and I'd play it with my students on occasion. But we had like the late 90s, early 2000s version. Mm. So there were some things that were funny to me that were absolutely not funny to anybody else because they just didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew about Apples to Apples, obviously, before this. And so we bought a copy of the game from Amazon and had it delivered in in time for Thanksgiving last year because we hosted Thanksgiving and we thought that, you know, if they're going to be young people at our house, maybe we'll, we'll play some apples to apples as a group. I don't want to talk about how Thanksgiving went. It was fine. It's not like anybody was like, yay, Trump and guns or anything like that. But uh-huh. uh, people just like dipped out pretty quickly after eating. So we didn't play any games at all. So when Elizabeth's brother and niece were staying with us a couple weeks ago, um, like the four of us and Elizabeth's mom all sat down at the kitchen table and played it. And I did not realize um, even with updated cards, how much it still sucked. Yeah, It's just not, it's not very good. Like I, the, the word nerd in me wants to love it. Yeah. I really want to be able to like, Oh, adjectives and nouns. If you haven't played apples to apples, the whole conceit of the game is there's a deck of cards that have, like two adjectives on them one side or the other and you pick the adjective that you're going to play and then the other people in the group sort of like cards against humanity all put down a card they get mixed up and then the uh the dealer chooses which card is the best representation of the adjective uh, and it sounds way lame when i describe it um and it's pretty lame in practice actually but it's it's a game that like it feels like it's like 80 percent of the way there yeah have you have you ever played the inverted method Andy, this is Cards Against Humanity, N- not a not an oh AeroPress. What is it? Not an AeroPress. No. Yeah. No. So, so apples to apples. If you play, if you play it backwards, where somebody lays down sort of an answer card, and then you all, like everybody around, has to lay down a question card. What you basically then have to do is you have to sort of like provide your rationale for that, like kind of backwards, like connect like the, you know, the answer, the question to the answer. And it's just a little bit more fun because you have to like, it's not just sort of like, well, here's my answer. Hope you like it. It's more of like a, well, here's, here's the question you are really asking and you have to sort of like provide rationale and def- defend it. So, um, it's, it, it makes it a little bit better. So it's like return of the Jedi is cute. And then you have to describe it. Yeah. So if, if like you lay down, Right. Yeah. So exactly. So if somebody says like, okay, cute. And then you lay down, lay down return of the Jedi and you just have to hope that that person likes return of the Jedi or agrees with you or whatever. But if you like somebody lays down return of the Jedi and then somebody else lays down cute, you have to go around and sort of explain, well, why do you think that it's cute? That's Um, an easy answer though. Right. I mean, Ewoks. Well, yeah, but like, you know, maybe let's try instead like, I don't know, bombastic or whatever. Right. Or fluffy yeah. or something yeah. like that, which again would also be Ewoks, and then, but and then you know tr- what I'm saying. Yeah. And then try to backwards, like backwards rationalize, you know, your, your question for the answer. So I, I've never tried that method with cards against humanity, but, um, there was like a little group at confab a couple of years ago that formed to play some, um, backwards apples to apples, which I wish the trouble is, is it's called apples to apples, which is backwards is Apples to apples, so it doesn't really work. Oh, yeah. It's the inverted <laughs> it's method. T- two apples, two. Yeah, right. 
Um, so yeah, that, that's a little bit better. Those, those kind of games, like even, even though some of them are, have like kind of some crappy responses, it's a little bit more psychological. Cause you have to like, think about, well, how am I going to get like, you know, is, is the person playing the card, like a literalist and probably wants to see like the more like semantically appropriate or true answer? Or is this person like, do they like jokes? So I should lay down a jokey card and like that. It's, it's those are a little bit more fun to me than like something where it's like, Oh, well, every time you get the heart, you have to like take two off and then, you know, re reverse it or whatever, like just <laughs> random, random rules. You're right. Well, uh, tell me about this, uh, the bird game, the bird game. That's what I wrote down in our, in our show notes was the bird game. Elizabeth heard a story on, I want to say on point. It was one of the, middle of the it's, it's one of the NPR shows that happens in between morning edition and all things considered. Yeah. If you want to know what kind of game we're getting into, I mean, <laughs> we're talking like middle of the day NPR game. I'm reading um, I'm reading the featured components and it looks bananas. Yeah, uh, well, this is and I quote, Wingspan is a competitive medium weight card driven engine building board game. You can play it with one to five players, which is great that you can play it by yourself if you want to. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely amazing. That's immediately great. Uh, last 40 to seven minutes need to be at least 10 plus. I'm looking at the feature components as well. I love the two piece game trays with a Z. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the conceit of the game is that you, according to this, that players are bird enthusiasts that are seeking to discover and attract only the best birds to their network of wildlife preserves. I, I really want to do the commercial for this. Like, Hey, have you ever wanted to capture the excitement of bird watching, but without leaving the house? Right. Well, that's the thing. Is, um, there's already, you. um, yeah, there's art. There's, but the thing is like, there's already, so there's an expansion to this. I don't know if you see yeah. that in the sidebar there, but there's a European expansion where oh, they bring wow. in more birds. This, uh, creator and game publisher have already, um, decided they're going to do two other games that are similar to this. One is about, I want to say flowers. And I forget what Elizabeth told me the other one was. I know she heard about this on NPR and she was like, so the woman who had this game or the woman who described, uh, created this game. There we go. So it was the only game that she could get her husband to sit down and play for more than like five minutes. And so Elizabeth was like, well, if they're, if it's all about reluctant gamers, I, I, I'm in for that. And I mean, it's not, it's not cheap. I don't think she realized how much, um, like high quality board games are these days. The pieces are really pretty. Yeah, I know, right? So he's got these wood die with these really cool icons on them that um, I think it looks like correspond to some tokens. Um, the art is all really well done. Like I said, it's all these uh, these custom birds. Have you seen the the peregrine falcon card on the right side? Oh, most yeah. of the way down. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it looks like it's really well designed and really well done. Um, she didn't realize that it was like, I think it's like 60 bucks. They were... Hmm. Um, they were on back order for a considerable amount of time. I can only assume that the, uh, that the NPR yeah. story did not, did, did not help with the back order. But, um, I don't know. I think this might be something that we look at getting as a, as a family game for Christmas. It's, it's, it looks kind of interesting. I think the art really is what sets it apart. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. as someone who didn't know anything about this, what are, what are your initial impressions based on, what is a really relatively well done website featuring many cats? Featuring cats? Yeah, man, you haven't oh, seen the I cats. Oh, I totally see the cats. Oh, yeah, there's, there's there cats they are. everywhere. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It looks like it looks like you're playing like 
Netrunner or Magic the Gathering, but with birds instead of magic. Is yeah, that I'm right? not sure. Is that true? I'm not sure how, what I'm not sure what engine building means. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's really engine building board game. That's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, have I to just do see some. I just see this thing about the uh, European expansion pack and all I can think of is like, well, you know, is this a, is this an African swallow or a European swallow? Is <laughs> nice. <laughs> is this an unladen swallow? Yeah. It's so it comes with 170 bird cards for quote vast replayability. And I think that that's what the European expansion adds yeah. is just more. What's the average the, velocity of, <laughs> of, of an unladen swallow? Yeah. Yeah. This has one to five players, 81 new bird cards, more different eggs, different bonus cards. Yeah. This is yeah. can really jump into it. If you're interested in European birds to go along with what yeah. I assume are your North American birds. If you're into birds and this yeah. podcast <laughs> and board games, I'm sure, I'm sure all of the people who listen to uh dot grid are huge bird people. The Venn diagram oh, yeah, of the people that listen to dot grid are into board games and are super Ornithologist, or ornithologists. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Bird people. (laughs) Yeah. So So if you're a bird person, (laughs) bird person. If you're a bird bird person, person. you're into analog and digital tools, and you also really like good art. Bird person. I highly recommend podcast. Bird person. What? Have you seen Brick and Morty? That show. Like the first three episodes. Okay. If you, if you watch the rest of it, there's a character called bird person. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anywho, let's D- listen, continue. listen, other Rick and Morty fans. Don't add us. Yeah. No, we don't want to hear from you. <laughs> we do not. We are not interested in engaging Sorry about with your any McDonald's subsection. Sauce. <laughs> yeah. Not engaging, not engaging with any subsection of the uh, Rick and Morty fan base. <laughs> if you like it, keep it to yourself. Yep. Um, so that's wingspan. Yeah. Um, um so, I mean, there's another, there's another interesting bird related uh, game that you have on this list. Yeah, I just I just made that connection as well as I was saying that. Um, So IBM has this really active, like creative subculture. So like the studio wire work has a make lab in it. There's a lot of like screen printing and button printing. And there's a 3D printer in there that I'm going to go print some stuff in this week. Uh, I did already. I should go back and find the I'm writing it down to put in there too. the photo of me with the uh, the hat clip that hold the pencil. Mm hmm. So yeah, I went that I printed that yeah. back in like January. I forgot about um, that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, we have a really cool, like creative, creative, like subculture that's underneath. And one of the cool things that they do or have done for the last two years is they've reached out to designers, not just in our Austin studio, but in some of our other studios internationally. So like Barcelona or Shanghai or Costa Rica, or we've got some people out in San Francisco. We got a great studio in Raleigh. They'll reach out and, um, they got 55 different designs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For a deck of cards. Hmm. Is it 55? It might be 56. So it's 52 cards, the backs of the cards, two wild cards. Okay. And they're all just like individual works of art. I'll try to splay out one of the decks and take a picture and put it in the show notes. Um, but it was just one of those things I was like, that's a super unique thing. Like, it's a super unique swag, right? Yeah. Like, they gave them to us as new designers. You cannot buy them commercially. They only print a set number of decks every year. And they've become like, 
Well, they've become like your personalized, not your personalized squire, but like the squire that not everybody can get their hands on. Like yeah. I have, I have a series, uh, I call them series or editions. I have a first edition deck and a second edition deck because I am a designer. And so I hang out kind of with those, kind of with those people. But I think it's a super cool way to express your creativity to say, yeah, I designed like the ace of clubs or I designed like the four of hearts. And some of them are like right on brand where you can tell by looking at the art, what the card number is. And the other ones are just like so out there that it's a good thing that they still put the card number in suit in the upper left-hand corner. So I'll try to take a picture of a, what is the, the, what is the duck reference? So, um, I'll put a link in the show notes to the Wikipedia version about wild ducks, but there's this story that, that is told in IBM lore from one of the designers that used to be there where there's, uh, I, you know, I'm not gonna do the story justice We're we'll take a two minute break at Wikipedia this and come back around. I'm just kidding. We won't do that, but, um, <laughs> yeah. we'll put a link in the show notes to the wild duck story related to IBM, but it has something to do with like never trying, like always trying to do something outside the box and never just accepting like the status quo. I think that's the general mm. idea behind it. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah. That's pretty cool. I've got two here. I've got two here. I carry, uh, I have a, a backpack where I carry too much stuff and I typically carry a deck of cards in there because if I get bored somewhere, I can at the very least shuffle the cards to do something fidgety. Yeah. Or if I get real bored, I can play, uh, just play solitaire by myself. So here's a, here's a card game I don't have in here. Have you ever played timeline? I have not. So it's, it's kind of a fun, it's a very simple thing. Um, it's not like, there's not a lot of like, rules or competition, but like you get a, this deck of cards and let's say it's like inventions and on the front of the card, it says the invention of the electric toaster. And you lay that down in the middle. And the next card is like the invention of writing. And you lay that down to the left of the electric toaster. Cause you know that it happened earlier. Then you have the invention of the personal computer and you lay that to the right of the toaster card because you know that it happened later and it's really easy to up front, but as soon as you like, you know, get into the deck, you, you have to figure out like, oh, the invention of the electric toaster is that before or after the invention of the, you know, toothbrush or, or something. And you have to think about like the toaster oven or yeah. whatever. And of course on the back of the card is the actual date. So you have to verify it after you lay it down. But that's, that's a fun thing to just like think critically and try to pick up on some context clues about like when something was invented. Um, and just to try to like construct a, like a timeline there. That's cool. And of course, I'll look it, into that. If you get it wrong, you have to pick up a new card and the people who like the person who runs out of a deck first is the one who wins the game. So it's a very, very simple game. You don't have to like, yeah, I was wondering what the success metrics were. I didn't know if it was like you play by yourself or that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. We've, and, uh, and, go ahead. And they have different, um, different, timeline versions there's like inventions and there's you know famous people and uh you know books you know literature things like that just anything that you can kind of construct into into a timeline that's really cool and that seems to be like that's a cool game that immediately lets itself become a series yeah and like constantly have different versions of things like that that's really neat yeah. Um, we started playing a game at work that somebody brought in called Spyfall. Don't know if you've heard of that one. It mm. don't. It's not. It's not the. Uh, 
it's not Skyfall. It's not yeah. the James Bond movie. It's Spyfall. Basically, yeah. you get a group of people together, and one person is a spy, and the other people in the group are all at a destination. Mm. And there's like a list of the destination and like descriptions of it on a center sheet on the table, and you have to ask questions to try to figure. Like the spy has to try to figure out where everybody is, and everybody else has to figure out who the spy is. Now it's fun, but I can't do more than one round because it always makes me very anxious. Yeah. So like so, like on Tuesday people were like, Hey, let's get together and play spyfall. Let's play spyfall for lunch. And I was like, uh, no, I can't I can't do that in the middle of yeah. the day. I can do it at the end of the day. Uh-huh. I can't do it in the middle of the day. Yeah, I have to somehow go back and concentrate and do work after this. Right. Yeah. Should we should we move on to talk about digital games? Yeah, you want to start for the sponsor break? Sure. Cool. This podcast is brought to you by Erasable. <laughs> Erasable now has a Patreon. Yeah. Head on over to the link in our show notes. If you're into pencils and podcasts, you want to contribute to the best, the number two pencil podcast in the world. <laughs> so thanks Erasable for supporting this show. And oh, all. Is, is Erasable supporting the show? <laughs> Thank you, Erasable. For support. Thank you listeners for supporting Erasable and all of the Andy Wilfley podcast. <laughs> right. Willfully cast. Willfully cast. Uh, that's that's not bad. We should do that. Dot FM. Willfully cast. Dot FM. It just got bought, didn't it? Yeah. Maybe we can get um, Mike Hurley to record us like an opening or something. That would be fun. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll switch over to the other uh, the other arm of this podcast, which is moving from analog games to digital games. Yeah. Let's. I, I have. Yeah, a, I want. Yeah, I, I want to hear all about what Andy Welfley has to say about because oh, digital games is essentially eighty percent Andy Welfley right now. Yeah, I. I mean, I don't really. Here's the thing: is I don't really play video games, and it's not because I don't like them. I definitely I like video games way more than I like most card games and board games. Um, but a lot of it is just like such a huge time suck. Like people who play. I don't know, Fortnite or some shit like, oops, maybe oops. Can we say shit on here? Oh yeah. I, yeah, I was, I threw, I threw an ass out there a little okay, while ago. Cool. Yeah. We can say shit. Um, I don't play a lot of those games. They take a lot of time. I'm interested in sort of the art and storytelling of video games, but I am not a huge gamer myself. Um, and I, I also am like not a huge, like, you know, violence in video games fan. I'm, I don't think that video games are contributing necessarily to like, all the stuff people say it is, but like, I'm just, I just don't want to like go around and like, you know, shoot people in world war two or something like that. That's not interesting. If it, especially if it doesn't have like some sort of a story around it, but, but, um, there are some really great video games out there. Uh, the latest being something I'm, I've been obsessed with since it like was announced a while ago. And that isn't untitled goose game. Speaking of bird games. Yeah. Speaking of that's all sorts of bird, like birds and games are the best combo, I guess is what I'm, what I'm picking up on. But, um, this is, did you, I assume we've talked about this before. Do you know about goat simulator? Have we talked about goat simulator? Yeah, I bought. So at one point it was either free or very, very cheap. Um, yeah. on iOS and I bought it and played it for like 30 minutes in bed one morning and then haven't touched it since. Ah, uh, so goat simulator is, it started off as this like fake game that this, this group of engineers, they were, they were building like a video game physics engine. And in order to test the physics engine and make sure it's doing what it's supposed to be doing, they made this fake game called uh, goat simulator and you are a goat and you walk around and, um, there were all sorts of interesting, hilarious glitches that happened 
happened. Like the goat can climb a ladder and to do it, it just sort of like flips end to end up the ladder rail. And it's like hilarious to watch. And they thought it was so hilarious. They actually released it as a game sort of glitches and all. So, uh, it's called goat simulator and you just walk around and you're a goat. And, but you can do things like if you lick something, that thing sticks to your tongue, even no matter like how big it is or small it is. Like, so you can like lick a car and then just start swinging it around and like bash it into houses and people. And it's kind of, yeah, it's just a absurd, hilarious game. And it's very, it doesn't really have objectives. It doesn't really have like later they put some objectives in there, but you just sort of walk around and like do whatever. And I was kind of obsessed with goat simulator for a while. Um, played that a lot. And then they added all these different things. Like you could be a, they added long goat, which is a giraffe. They added, uh, a uh, water goat, which is a whale. And they added a uh, space goat, which was like an alien or something. It was just, it just got more absurd and more absurd as it went along. But uh, I like their sense of humor. So later, not related to goat simulator, but in the same sort of like vein, um, this group of really talented designers and developers, um, got together and made, they were just like, wouldn't it be funny if you were just like, you know, geese are just assholes. And wouldn't it be funny if like, you just could walk around like as a goose and just cause havoc everywhere. And so that's where entitled goose game came from. And the tagline is something along the lines of like, you know, it's a beautiful day in an English village and you are a horrible goose. And what you do is, is you walk around like these different stages of this village and you have this checklist. And on that checklist, there are objectives. Like one of them is like, you know, make the farmer put on the sun hat or the gardener put on the sun hat or, um, you know, like, you know, I don't know, pack a lunch or something like that. And you have to interpret what that means. And so there, the farmer, the gardener in the garden, for example, is wearing a, not a sun hat, but a like baseball cap. And there's sun, there's a sun hat that's hanging on the, um, like the, the tool shed or whatever. So you have to figure out, well, okay, first I need to get that baseball cap off his head. And to do that, I need to go over and with my beak, because you can manipulate things with your beak, I'm going to snip off the root, the rose. And then the farmer or the gardener is going to find out, go get the rose and plant it again. And while he's bent over, you can reach his hat and pick that off and then go throw it in the lake or something. So, and then the farmer, I keep saying farmer, it's a gardener, uh, gets, gets too hot. And then he goes and puts on the sun hat and like, that's how you, how you win that objective. So it's, it's like a kind of an open world, uh, like sandbox game with some predefined like physics rules and like these objectives that you have to kind of figure out. So it's kind of a puzzle and that's a game that's way more compelling to me than like, you know, so many video games or even card games out there. Have you, have you played that at all on your switch? No, I haven't touched goose game. I <laughs> so Yeah. I guess the switch is kind of one of the next ones we're going to get into, but yeah, I, I had a, had a problem for a while that you know that switch list that I sent you the website yeah. for it's uh-huh. dead now by the way um oh RIP switch list that app um okay. <laughs> every time they would send me just about every time they'd send me an email telling me that one of the uh, games on my wish list was on sale I'd be like oh gotta have it um and so my switch library ended up looking like my steam library which is full of a whole bunch of games that I've either played for like five minutes or will uh 
and I used quotation marks around this play one of these days. Uh, <laughs> well, so that, I was afraid that untitled goose game would just become another one of those. Yeah. Goose game is on switch and on Mac. Um, they really haven't released any other things yet and they intend to. And another nice thing about it is just a really beautiful game. Like there's really gorgeous, like, like piano music that kind of like sits behind and they use it as like situational music. Like when the, when a person is like alerted to your hijinks, you know, like there's some suspenseful piano music that comes on and kind of when they chase you, it's like chase music and it just kind of like reacts really well to the gameplay. And also it's this really kind of like simple solid color art that just looks really good. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful game and it's a fun game. And I, that's the kind of stuff I like. Um, it's an indie developer, Um, and, and you really like, you know, you can get some of your, what do you call it? Um, oh, the, the German word that's like the joy of others pain. Show and fraud. Yes. Show and fraud. You, 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 I mean, I'm probably, I'm probably, um, saying that incorrectly, by the way. Yeah. You, you're just a, you're just a terrible goose. Like you go and you create havoc and you create chaos, but like, you're not shooting anybody, nothing, nothing like that. So, um, I bought it for a, uh, for the Mac. Um, and then later, which we'll talk about later, I rented a Nintendo switch and then also bought it for that. I don't mind supporting that little developer. It's not like EA games or Blizzard or what have you. Some of the big evil game companies, but, um, so yeah, untitled goose game, really great game. Um, Tell me about your, tell me about your switch. What are some games you like to play on that thing? Uh, what don't I like to play on it? So I haven't played very much recently. I played, um, Elizabeth and I just got back from a trip to Cape Cod and I played one game on the plane. I think I may have played two different game, uh, games on the plane. I played one that's called golf story, which is ostensibly a Japanese style RPG where you level up your golfer. There's apparently some, there's golf content to it, but it's very, it's like it's 16 bit styled. Um, it's, it's kind of cool. It's mm-hmm. one of the fun things. It's like it's what I would have wanted a sort of tongue-in-cheek RPG to be on the Super Nintendo. So it's it's pretty neat. Uh, there's another game called Moonlighter that I started playing into. The main character's name is Will. That was pretty much the main reason why I wanted to play it. Um, spent a whole lot of time with some Zelda. Hmm. I was a late adopter to that. I got the the Switch and Mario Kart 8 in a bundle last uh, Black Friday, which, by the way, they're on sale with the same bundle this Black Friday. Uh, the newer Switch has a little bit of a better battery life. But, yeah, I think I saw today their deal is $299, which is what they typically retail for. But you also get a free copy of Mario Kart 8. And what is a Nintendo system without a Mario Kart on it? Lame. That's what that is. Um <laughs> I play I, Mario Kart every once in a while. I, I have that in case Elizabeth wants to, in case Elizabeth wants to hop on because she does like to play the Mario Kart. But I've got a, I've got a few things on there. I have like NBA Two K nineteen. If I feel like jumping into a sports game, I really wish they made the uh, NHL series of games for it, but they do not. Obviously, I'm a little bit more of a hockey fan than a basketball fan. But yeah, I mean, I, I got, a, I got a few things on there. I feel like there's always something that I can sort of fall into. I bought, um, much like you bought Katie a TV for. Christmas a few years ago, I bought myself a TV for my office just because I'm awesome. Um, and so now I have a place to come and sit and play video games where I don't have to completely alienate everybody else in my house. I also have a PS4, but I just don't turn it on that much. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really interested in talking about like video game consoles. Like I've, 
at one point in the past, I realized that like, you know, post super Nintendo, I had no interest in console games. Like, you know, or console systems like PlayStation or Xbox or any of those things until the Wii came out, like the original okay. Wii. And I really like that. And I got one. Love that. That kind of like, you know, continued to be a thing and just eventually kind of faded because it, like we just ended up using it as like a, you know, our Netflix system back when Netflix instant was a thing that you could get. on. Right. Game. So yeah. we had... So like, didn't like, you know, new Playstations came out, new Xboxes came out, didn't care anything about those. Then the Wii U came out and I was like, oh, this is cool too. And I didn't get one because they were expensive. And then that kept going and new Playstations, new Xboxes, I didn't give, didn't really care about any of those things. And then the, the switches came out and I was like, oh, that's cool. And I just made me realize that like, I think I'm just like a Nintendo enthusiast. And also like they, they're not trying to like have the best graphics or polygons or frame rates or whatever. They're trying to do really interesting, innovative things with sort of like, like this, I'm going to start to sound real nerdy here, but like the user experience, like, you know, the, the, the UX of like how you as a human interact with like, you know, the games themselves. And to me, that's really interesting and way more so than like, you know, just having a little, two little handlebars you hold on to and press like a D pad, right? Like, yeah, so so I I I want to come back. I, I want to end on the switch as well. Yeah. But to do to to cover a little bit of history for me, I had an NES. My dad got us for Christmas. I guess a year or so after it came out. Yeah. Um, the next. I had a Game Boy, the original Game Boy, the original brick Game Boy. Oh, yeah. Those are the great. gray one with the tiny yellow and black screen. Uh, and then the next new system I had was um, a PlayStation 2, which I bought right after I graduated high school before I went to college. I bought it that fall and really enjoyed it. That was the system, my system of choice for a while. Um, I lived in a... I lived in an apartment with a buddy for a while where while we were waiting on the Wii to be released, the original Wii, we hooked up like a Nintendo 64, uh, an original Xbox, the PlayStation 2, and then eventually the Wii. And we didn't have that many um, AV inputs in the TV, so we had to get one of those switchers where, you know, you'd plug the switchers cables in the back of your TV and then you had to like push a button to make sure you were getting input from one or input from three or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I had a Wii. I spent way too much money on two Nintendo Wii's literally drove uh, like three hours one way from my house to pick one up from a guy on eBay one night. Um, yeah, I bought two at one point. It's a long and convoluted story that I don't really want to get into. Um, but yeah, so we had the Wii for a long time and um, we used it as our, this is any of you who did this, you're going to realize how absolutely insane this sounds. Elizabeth and I used it as our main web browser. Hmm. When we moved to Oregon, because there was something about like her computer didn't get as good a Wi-Fi reception as the we did. Yeah. So we ended up like we found our apartment and our car on the Nintendo. We we would sit when we moved to Oregon, just sit for long nights and play Excite Truck or like some <laughs> other just like HTML5 based games. Mm -hmm. Just sit there and just waste a whole bunch of time and um and that was the last thing we had for a while. And then I guess towards the end of 2017, I bought a PlayStation 
4. That's the most recent ones. Yeah. Bought a PlayStation 4 because there's a game coming out that I knew some people that were interested in. And I thought I might want to play too. And I hadn't really engaged in video games in a while. And I do like playing them. So I had that for a little bit. And then last, like I said, last Thanksgiving, I bought, uh, I bought the Switch. And it's... It is. It gives me joy when I when I use it, and mm-hmm. I think that that is. I, I mean, I enjoy my PlayStation. I think that you can do lots of really cool things on there, and yeah, like you were talking about, like frame rates and cooperative gaming and things like that. Like cooperative gaming is considerably easier on the main consoles, like an Xbox or a PlayStation. But like, there's just something that is not simple, but more refined about the way that the switch is marketed and the way that the switch interacts. And it's, it's not because for a long time, Nintendo um, was given the impression by quote unquote real gamers that it was all geared towards like kids and it was just kid style stuff. But um, if you spent any time in like breath of the wild, the new, the newest Zelda game, that game is not meant for small children. Like, it's just, it's too, I mean, kids can play it and get joy out of it, but it's like, there's a depth and a complexity and like a richness to games that are coming out now on Nintendo that I, I feel like people have never seen on Nintendo consoles before. I legit spent two hours cooking in Breath of the Wild. Oh, it's fun. Once you figure out how to do it, it's super fun. Yeah. Um, So, so, I mean, some of it I think is like, you know, they, a, you can easily transition from sort of a small screen to a big screen. They sort of in, in, like put some physical gestures, like kind of built it in into the games and controls. And just like, I, I think, I don't know, that they, they just do really new and interesting stuff with sort of that, you know, with like HCI, with human computer interaction, I feel like. I, f- I feel like Nintendo's, Nintendo is interested and cares about it. And PlayStation and Xbox, Xbox are just having sort of like a war to see who can like make the graphics better and get people on big networks. That's just kind of like my thoughts and feelings about that. Hashtag yeah. hot take. Yeah, hot take. I mean, that's, and I, I don't totally disagree with you. So I have to make sure that none of my data is going to be deleted, but I don't think I'm going to, pay the 60 bucks to re-up my PlayStation Plus subscription this year, like the the thing you have to have to be able to get online and mm. and interact with people. Uh, in comparison, a full year of Nintendo's online service is like nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So I just, uh, I don't know, I'm going to renew that for PlayStation this year because I really only use it for a couple of games. I was really excited about one game that was supposed to come out last fall and it came out and it was kind of a flop. It's Fallout 76 is what I'm talking about. It was a big mm. flop when it came out. It was super buggy. And uh, so that was like kind of my last ditch effort of the PlayStation. I turned it on yesterday to make sure it was up to date in case we recorded this episode and I... I got the hankering that I wanted to, I don't know, play some destiny or something, but yeah, yeah I'm just, I, I like my, I tell Elizabeth all the time that if I had a commute, I'd be playing that switch all the time. Yeah. Like if I, if I didn't have to drive and I could like sit on mass transit or something like that, just because, yeah, you're right. It, there's, there's something that is considerably more enjoyable about the way that you interact with the console itself. And I feel like the, they've done a lot with the software and hardware limitations that yeah. are on it. Um, and I, I think it's just a joy to play. I bought a, I bought a case for it that gives me a little more, um, a little more grip on the back. I'll put the case in the show notes too, that I really like. It's called skull and co. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it is a joy to play, whether it's, whether I'm just goofing around playing Mario Kart or whether I'm like getting super deep into breath of the wild. It's just, it's, it's, it's enjoyable 
to do. Um, I know, I know that you and I are very much late, not just to the podcast game, but to the talking about how great the switch is. Cause in March, I think it'll have been out like three years. Yeah. Something like that. So <laughs> but I, it's great. So I, I really wanted to play with one and just like try some stuff out, but I, I'm kind of unwilling to spend the money to buy one. Cause I feel like I'll just, you know, just set it aside and not use it. Um, and, and it's too expensive for that. Um, so I did some searching. I found a place where if you want, you can rent a switch for a month. Um, which is really like by the month, I should say it's really great. It's called uh crisp, crisp that.com. And you can, they have, like a really weird selection of things that you can rent monthly. Um, you can rent a switch and some games you can rent, um, like, like fancy drones and GoPros and weirdly pro level headphones. Um, I don't think I want to rent a pair of headphones, but, uh, just a weird little selection of things that you can rent. And if you want to rent a switch in three games, it's like 60 bucks a month. And I'm, I did that. Um, it was, it was great. I, Katie was gone for several days last month. And so I just like, you know, blocked out a few evenings and just, you know, played some switch games. Um, and then I can just send it back and then I'm just out 60 bucks instead of 300. Three hundred for the console and then each game. Let's yeah, see. Totally. Yeah. You had two first party games. Each of those are 60 bucks a piece. Yeah. 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 You, you saved yourself some money and it's, it's great if you're like, maybe I want to switch. Yeah. I should yeah. get this and see if it's something that I'm, that I'm interested in. Totally. Um, have you played with the Apple arcade games at all or any of their kind of any of their system? So I used my free month. Mm-hmm. Everybody got that. Everybody got that free month. That really five bucks isn't that bad, but I didn't find myself jumping back in to play all the time. So like, and I didn't put it in the, I didn't put it in the show notes, but I knew this was going to be a, the segue that I wanted to get into here. I, I have, um, an iOS game confession to make on behalf of my wife. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, for a while she and I were both playing desert golf. I don't know if you know, desert golf, it's super scaled back. Basically you pick the direction that you want to hit a golf ball and like with how much power and you basically just have to hit the ball into the hole, yeah. but they're just a continuously, a continuous set of levels that, I think by the time Elizabeth stopped playing it, she was somewhere in the, in like the 1700s. Like she played like 1700 levels of desert golf, hmm. which is bonkers to me because there are some levels that are super easy and some levels that would take multiple time. That's not the confession. The confession is this. My wife, my wife, my wife, my wife, oh, my God. wife plays candy crush saga, mm. you know, candy crush. Mm-hmm. Yep. My wife has never spent a dime on this game, Hmm. which is impressive to say the least, because I am nowhere near as far along as she has. And I think I've probably spent at least five bucks. I'm not kidding when I tell you that she's on a level somewhere north of 2070. Hmm. Is that, is that a hard level to get to? I that that's that's so many levels, Andy. Like think <laughs> think about think about two thousand is just a raw number. Yeah. Can you visualize anything two thousand of anything? I mean, we haven't even made it to two thousand seventy in years since you know apparently we started tracking that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So there are times when she will be on an entire level for multiple days. Yeah. Like there have been times that she has halfway startled me awake in the evenings, celebrating over beating a level. I mm. mean, she's like, she's super into Candy Crush. 
And she's never, I think the most important part is she's never spent a dime on it. Like she's really getting her money, her not money's worth yeah. out of it. I mean, for like, oh, it's, it's, it's obscene, but that, that is not on Apple Arcade. There is a, there's a cool matching game on Apple Arcade that I played called like Bloodthirsty or something like that. It's, <laughs> it's animated <laughs> it by the same guy. It's 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 animated by somebody who also does uh, cartoons on the regular. It's 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 pretty interesting. So no, I, I mean I took my free month. I downloaded I think two games the that one mat that particular matching game and then um, mini motorways I think is what it's called. Oh, yeah. It's, it's I, I I enjoyed that pretty much. I, I enjoyed that. That's a good like waiting in the car for someone to do something. Yeah. sort of game you just pull it up it's there for a few minutes are you are you still paying for it i i think i am but i probably shouldn't be because i really don't play with it very much um i got really into this game they have um made by the people who make um monument valley which is one of the most gorgeous video games ever good um, game really good yeah, game all both of those monument valleys are just really fantastic um it's called uh, assemble with care and it's sort of like this, this, there's a story that goes along with it. Like you're this woman who's like, uh, like a handyman, like a fix it person who moves to a different, you know, city and meets all these people and they have like things they want her to help them fix. And the game itself, it's just, it's less of like a game than it is just a very like relaxing. It's kind of like an ASMR of games. Like you, you get this, this device, like a camera or a video game console or something. And your first job is to disassemble it. So you can like kind of twirl your finger to unscrew it and move each piece into these like little um, little dishes. You just take apart this device and throughout that process, you can see like, Oh, Hey, the screen's broken or this wire came undone and I need to rewire it. And you can just sort of like, just, just using your finger or whatever, just, you know, like take the stuff apart and then like fix it. Or you can sort through like your toolbox for the right part and do all this stuff. Um, that sounds super interesting. Like yeah. I'm not paying for it right now, but that uh, I had already heard good things about that game, both yeah. the art style that you mentioned and just that it was of it's, the of the Apple arcade games, one of the like more yeah. well renowned and more well known ones coming out. It's it's at really the beginning. It's really lovely, and it's by those same because it's by us two games, which is you know people make Monument Valley, just a really really nice game, and it's fun to put back together. It's just a really satisfying game, and the nice thing about all of their games is there are things that you can play and beat within like a couple hours usually, and right. Like within an evening, I was done with this one and it was a lot of fun. So assemble with care. It's a really nice game. So if you use an iOS device and you are paying $5 a month for Apple arcade, it's free for you. I don't think you can get it if it's not, if you don't have arcade. Yeah. I think that's part of the agreement is yeah, that if you put it right. in there, it's, it's like that. I, um, I was really into Alto's adventure for a while. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, there's two of those. There's one where Snow and War it's sand. I need to get back into that. I hope they make another game yeah. because if you want, you talk about a game that has good music. Yeah, like I'm Have super you? into. I'm into the Monument Valley stuff. I listen to that. That's good instrumental like work music. But yeah. the uh, the the Altos Adventure and then Altos Odyssey is the other one. Yeah, um, those Have both were super interesting. Have you heard of Neocab? I don't think so. So this Tell one, me more, is, Andy Wolfley. This one is really interesting. It, it's like 
I like the the ones that just have a very novel approach to the game, right? Like it's not about shooting someone or collecting things or matching things up, but like just the ones where there's just not even like a huge objective, right? Like something where you're staying entertained and you're doing this thing. But so this one, you are a cab driver, like a ride share driver in the future in this like fake town. And you are picking up passengers and taking them to their destination. And along the way you need to maintain your perfect rating. You're essentially like a Lyft driver or whatever. And it's less about actually, um, you know, like staying on the road and driving well and like dropping them off. And it's like, you have to kind of converse with the passengers and kind of make decisions about how you're talking to them. And sometimes, you know, their needs um, are different than your needs. And it's, it's, it's kind of a, you know, like a social justice warrior slash emotional game, right? Like it's, it's kind of showing like how ridiculous, you know, these like gig economy, like situations can be. Um, and you just kind of like, you know, kind of get through these interactions. It's, it's fun. It's interesting. Um, I haven't played a lot of it, but it's, yeah, it's definitely something where you can, um, it's just a kind of like a visual novel, I guess is, is what people call this. Cool. What's it called again? Uh, Neo Cab. Neo Cab. Got it. Yeah. Um, um, what you said brought to mind a game that I purchased from my Switch that is supposed to have a really good story behind it. If I can get past the first couple of levels that are already a little hard for me, it's called Celeste. Hmm. I don't know if you've heard anything about this. It's a it's a platformer. Which for those of you who are not familiar with what a platformer is, like Andy probably mm-hmm. doesn't realize that a uh, platformer is sort of like the more traditional. It's like Mario. Mario's a platformer. Marvel, yeah, Mario's a platformer. So you basically jump and run and dodge from platform to platform. Um, it's like it's sort of puzzly, but also with like jump buttons. So uh, apparently Celeste is supposed to have a really good like underlying story about like depression and fighting your inner demons and then like not beating yourself up so much. So is this the Gamergate story? The big game? I don't know that all the bros jumped on. I don't know. It was, uh, it's a couple years old. Um, I just got it on sale a couple weeks ago. So, um, I'll look that up. What, What is the platform it's for? Uh, so it's definitely on switch and I think that it's available on other things as well. Okay. Um, Every once in a while, I'll listen to whatever the Relay FM video game podcast is, and both Mike and Federico and Shahid had good things to say about it in there when they were wrapping up games from the end of last year. So nice. So yeah, it's 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 enjoyable, and I think the thing that I like and appreciate about platformers, I've been playing another one called Hollow Knight that I really like a lot. Um, I think the thing that I like about them is that there is not a lot going on. And mm-hmm. so for it to be a good and successful game, it's kind of got to be like, well, and you got to be doing it right. And that was the thing that like, you know, we started our lives in video game careers with, if you're of a certain age and like, you know, the NES or even, even the super Nintendo, like most, most of it were platformers because it was all 2d, right? Like it was, yeah. you only, you only kind of had to think in 2d and it wasn't until like, I played like Super Mario, the one on Nintendo 64 where there was 3D, which kind of like broke my brain. Like I couldn't really. Right. Yeah. But like. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of, uh, you know, kind of like simpler video game systems, um, should we get into our last thing or do you, do you want to revisit? Breaking, breaking, breaking oh, news. So it's I, time for extreme content. <laughs> so this is something I actually 
sticking with our tradition, I had an argument with Harry Marks on uh, Twitter about this. What's up, Harry? Um, Hey, so, so, um, I am obsessed with this video game console that is potentially coming out this year. It better, it better be It's called the play date and it's made by panic, which is the same. Um, they, they make really good web developer tools like transmission, which is an FTP client and Coda, which is a really good kind of like coding, um, like text editor. Um, they were also involved in untitled goose game and they like one of the, the panic guys made this really great game called firewatch, which is really pretty. And so they were like the software developer that was really gaining a reputation for video games. And so just out of the blue earlier this year, um, they announced, Oh, Hey, we're doing a new game and it is a console. It is a little tiny, tiny site. Like, I don't know how big it is, like three inches by three inches, maybe like a fourth of an inch thick, bright yellow, black and white screen game console. And you can just stick it in your pocket. It connects through Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Um, And what's really, really novel about it to me is it has a crank. And the crank on the side isn't for like powering the battery or whatever. The crank is like a a gameplay element. So it has your usual like D pad on it It has two modifier keys and a crank. (laughs) So it's just super cute. It's super weird. If you're a fan of like synthesizers and, and like electronic music, um, a a synth company called teenage engineering that's based in, um, Scandinavia somewhere. They, they designed the hardware, uh, this really, really crisp sort of like OLED black and white display and their model for games is really interesting to me. Um, which is that every year, um, they give you like, you're going to get 12 games. They, they release games in seasons. So like, you know, if you have a, if you have a, like, let's say season one is 12 games and every week, every Monday, there's going to be a new game on your, on your play date that you can play around with. And none of them are like super involved. It's kind of like game boy level. Right. But like they're encouraged, encouraging indie developers to really take advantage of like the crank and really kind of push the boundaries of what that little system can do. So I'm really interested in it. It's, it's $149. So it's like not very expensive. And that includes the first season of games. Um, there's a really, really good, um, article in this British gaming magazine that you can get if you have Apple news, um, where they interviewed the guys about it, that the panic people. And it's just like, what I like about it is it's new and it's novel and it isn't your typical handheld game or, you know, console game. And it's just, just really integrating the software and the hardware together. Um, have you, have you read much about this, this will? No, I haven't. And when you first put it in here, I got it. I remembered what you were talking about, but I got it mistaken with this other item that I just dropped a, uh, a link to in the show notes called the analog pocket. Yeah. So, which I think sounds really cool. The problem is like you have to have the actual, and you go back and read this article from Polygon guys. It's the title of the article is this $199 handheld will be the most decadent way to play Game Boy games, which 
Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I felt like was really missing decadence in my life. <laughs> so I think, I think the thing is, is people, people want or expect the play date to sort of be this like retro gamer, right? They, they think it's going to be like the new, like a Game Boy classic kind of a situation where, um, you can just play all the old games that you know and love. And that's not really like what the play date is about. It's more about like kind of supporting small indie developers to make these really simple games kind of, you know, in the same vein of the, as those old games, but it's really not going to be like, you can't, I probably, I mean, who knows? You're probably not going to play like, you know, like the original Game Boy Zelda on your play date or whatever. But this, this, what is it called? It's the, the analog, analog pocket. Yeah. pocket. Yeah. So that one I think is picking up where the play date is, is leaving off. Like it looks like, yeah, you can play Game Boy, Game Boy Color and advanced game, like cartridges themselves and then buy adapters to play ooh, Game Gear games that I do have. I do have, I do miss some old Game Gear games. So that's really like, I think the nostalgia video game thing that, you know, millennials are looking for. Whereas the play dates really like kind of like, uses that framing to, you know, showcase new games. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I think they're both going to be really interesting to watch, but I agree with you that the play date, and I hate to use the word, I, like, I hate to use the word platform, but um, I think the play date feels more like, um, like just a way for people to make cool shit yeah. and get it out in front of people. And it's just like, sometimes we design apps. Sometimes we make cool posters right now. We're just going to make some cool video games for this other cool piece of hardware that we made. Yeah. Like, I think it's really, I, I mean, it feels very tech dude with Warby Parker glasses to say, but like, it feels like something that is a new and interesting way to be part of a really like a really big, like ecosystem and atmosphere. Like we yeah. talk about Fortnite and how huge it is. And obviously this is nowhere near that, but like video games are since video games were introduced to the masses at home when you and I were considerably younger, I, I feel like it's going to be a long time before it goes away, especially since we carry tiny video game players in our pockets all the time. Yeah. If you, if you are a listener of, um, the talk show, which is, um, John Gruber's show, the daring fireball guy. Um, he was sort of like as entranced by this as I am. Um, and so he, he has a, um, God, how long is this? Like his, also his, his podcast go on forever. So it's like a two hour podcast, uh, interviewing the like, like three guys from panic, just, just really digging into the details of this game. And they have really interesting things to talk about, like completely homebrewing and creating from scratch this hardware. And they talk about the design decisions behind it. They talk about how they found the perfect screen that they wanted to use. They talk about some of the things that they were thinking about doing, which one of the, one of the things they were thinking about doing, I just think is hilarious. And I really wish they would have done it because it would have been mind blowing is, you know, it's just a little black and white display on the front. And they were thinking about having one of the games tell people to unscrew the back panel of the, of the play date. And so people would go and unscrew the back panel. And then all of a sudden there's a full color, bright, you know, led, um, display back there that people can then use to play. And I was like, that would Hilarious. be, that'd be amazing. But they, they realized that just the tech, they, they wanted to make it so small and, and thin. Um, they couldn't get into that. So they, they also love URLs the way that I love the URLs. So if you go to play date, um, you can see just how like utterly charming and quirky this little system is. They have a little 3d rendering right there on the front. Um, and they, 
I love everything about panic. They, they have a really great sort of like, you know, voice and tone. Um, they make really interesting products. They have just a really great, like user focused, like approach to what they do. So, um, yeah, go to play.date and you can check out, um, read more about it. I, I just know as, as soon as this thing comes out, um, I'm going to pre-order it because they're supposed to open pre-orders in late 2019, which TikTok guys, there's not that much of it left. Yeah. We're about um, there. Yeah. To ship sometime in early 2020. So I am very excited. That's yeah. I, I talked about it nonstop for maybe like a week. Poor Will had to listen to him. That's fine. Going. So I haven't even seen this thing in person. If I would have gone to the XOXO fest, I would have been able to play with one. They had a display, but sadly and tragically, I was not there. Right. Yeah. Just, we've never been invited. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's fine though. You yeah. know what? Let's, no, I'd rather cool. end on the positive note of the play date than the negative note of we've never been invited to what I call Zozo. 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 <laughs> Only the cool kids Zozo call it Fest. Zozo. Only the cool kids call it Zozo yeah. Fest. Yeah. I think, uh, I think I'm about ready to, to button this thing up. You got anything else you want to yeah. hit? I think that's it. Well, all right. Where can well, people new- find it again? Find show notes at uh, dot grid dot best. Docker.best. Don't forget, we do this new disclaimer at the end of the episodes now where Andy and I extend uh, our... We open up our DMs to you in case you need somebody to talk to. Andy and I are friends with each other. I know that I wouldn't be able to make it through the vast majority of my weeks without at least being able to talk to or or vent to Andy and hopefully feel the same way with me and we want to extend that open to you guys. Um, We're If you never hear from us again... If this yeah. is the last episode for another two years, we apologize. But we are still uh, very still, active on social media. Still extremely online. Very online. Online for life. Hashtag real life. Um, so yeah, if you wanted to get in touch with us on the internet, the best way to do that is, is to either get at us on Twitter. We're at dot grid podcast. Uh, I am at, uh, at Will Fangy at W I L L. F as in fuzzy, A-N-G-U-Y. Andy is at A-W-E-L-F as in Frank L-E. He's also got about 13 different vanity URL email addresses and places to go if you want to learn more about Andy Wilfley. We still at Andy.coffee. Am I stealing your thunder? Um, Andy.wtf is my my kind of like little landing page right now. Right. Oh, can you please uh, uh, either I can either take a picture of your business card uh, and blank out some of the information or you can. But uh, Andy got these awesome business cards. That I think you guys need to see. Uh, oh, yeah. They're really cool pencil themed in the way that you would expect, but not in the way that you would expect. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, reach out to us uh, on the Internet if you want to give us some feedback about the show. If you have ideas for future episodes, questions for us about digital or analog tools or if you just want somebody to talk to want to take the opportunity again to thank our sponsor, the Erasable Podcast Patreon. There will be a link in the show notes. Super happy with all the work that you and Johnny and Tim have done over there, dude. You should be really proud of of your episode count and, and just the fact that you keep it going. It's... It's it's a niche thing that I bet you every once in a while when you think about how many uh, episodes you've done, yeah. you got to paint yourself a little bit. It doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> no, yeah. that's sometimes the things that don't make any sense are the best things. Yep. All right, man. All right. Well, it's been great. Yeah, I, we'll talk uh, to you soon. Yeah, we'll chat soon. Bye.